The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for tuning in each and every Thursday as we talk about the Sport of Kings, 8 p.m. Eastern or 5 Pacific, depending on which side of the coast you live on. The Belmont, a week away. No decisions about the Philly Rachel Alexander running. Hard to believe. According to the Pollock Report, an online publication, and if you haven't dug it up, I would advise to do so. Very informative every day. It's kind of like a one-stop shop of um, what's going on in thoroughbred racing. The poll percentages come out as such. 78% 78% of the fans say they don't think she'll run, and 22% believe she will. Well, count me in the 78%. She's beaten the gals and, and the boys at the Preakness, and that mile-and-a-half distance, oh, it is grueling, grueling. They send out rabbits and stalkers. She's never going to get a breath. They don't come from way, way out of it. They're right up within three to four lengths of lead, and at the half, if you're not in the picture, right up there in the middle, could be lights out. Anyway, she's getting all of the call-outs she needs by Team Zenyatta. So pass on the Belmont, girl, and hook up with possibly one of the best races in the United States in a long while. it be two incredible gals doing battle. Everybody loves a girl fight. Here's your chance. Zenyatta, Rachel Alexandra. Ooh, be a whole lot of fun to watch. What's happening tonight? Recap of last week. I'd like to recap all last week's action. Who's doing what? Where it happened? Who are the culprits? Who are the heroes? Biggins. That's right. The Biggins. Each and every week, you can tune in. Each and every day, you can tune in to see how Winning Ponies is actually doing. I advise doing so. Pretty sharp, easy to use. Pick it up at winningponies.com. I think you're going to find it very, very interesting. This week's special guest is Peter Aiello, race caller, handicapper, and incredibly, incredibly one of the greatest fans of racing that I've ever met. Pete's a great guy. He's going to be one of those voices that we're going to be hearing down the road on the Biggie Big Circuits. Then we have the final furlong in the last 16th of a mile, as I'm going to call it, with handicapping with yours truly for Friday and Saturday. It's a whole lot of action going on here on Winning Ponies each and every week. And we're going to kick it off with a weekly recap. Memorial Day traditionally is one of the most important dates on the thoroughbred calendar, establishing early favorites 
for divisional contenders. This year's edition was case in point. Brebon stamped himself as one of the nation's best dirt milers with a win in the Met Mile at Belmont. Thornsong made a case as one of the top grass milers with a victory in the Shoemaker Breeders' Cup at Hollywood Park. And Zenyatta remains undefeated in her seasonal debuts and got fans thinking about a year-end showdown with Preakness Six Philly, Rachel Alexandra. The beat goes on. I love it. Scattered around North America from New York to California and from Ontario to Texas and Chicago in between, a bevy of grass races set up some early contenders for the turf divisions. Love turf racing. Love this time of year. We're going to start at Belmont Park. Brebon posted his second straight victory on the one-turn mile. Belmont, of course, winning Monday's $600,000 Shadwell Metropolitan Mile by a hard-fought half-length over smooth air. Driven by a success, set all the pace and held on gamely to finish third and nose in front of my pal Charlie. Brebon, a six-year-old French-bred gelding by mark of esteem, finished in 134 flat with Alan Garcia in the irons for trainer Robert Ribaldo. Alan Garcia. This guy has moved his game up. Whew. Head and shoulders. Alan Garcia, if you get any better any quicker, we're not going to be able to pick you up on the radar screen. Criticism. Picked up her third win in four starts this year, leading all the way to a comfortable victory in Saturday's $150,000 Chiefs Head Bay Stakes for Phillies and Mares. Very nice. With pressure, the five-year-old British-bred Machiavelli Mare set a comfortable pace under Javier Castellano, repelled a mild bid by Mushka at the top of the lane and wins by two and a quarter lengths over that rival. Very nice criticism. Very, very nice. Carolyn's Cat jumped out to the lead in Sunday's $150,000 vagrancy handicap and never looked back to win by three and a quarter lengths. That was what was happening in Belmont. Hollywood Park Zenyatta defending Breeders' Cup Ladies' Champion and finalist for last year's Horse of the Year returned to the races. And the $150,000 My Lady Handicap convincingly beat her talented stablemate life as sweet and set racing fans drooling at the thought of a showdown with a Preakness Stakes winner, Rachel Alexandra. I can't say that enough. Trainer John Sheriff had tried to get a race for this undefeated superstar on Derby Week at Churchill, but scrapped that plan when the track came up wet. They're forcing to put Zenyatta and Life is Sweet in the same starting eight Saturday. The duo ran last of six, well back from the leaders until midway down the backstretch. Then after briefly getting in each other's way, Mike, Mike Smith got Zenyatta loose and outside. She quickly circled the leaders and drew clear. Let me tell you something. It looked like the others were tied to a tree. She was clutching out of second gear. Va, va, boom, gone. Life is sweet under Garrett Gomez. Dived to the rail and easily finished second without threatening Zenyatta. The final margin was a length and three-quarter, and Smith wasn't doing much riding. The mile on the 16th went in one forty-two and one. Garrett and Mike were playing some serious jockey games out there, according to Mike Smith on the backstretch. It was all clean and fair. She was so handy. When he eased up on the pedal, she backed up. Mike Smith knows his game. Two good guys hooking it up. Garrett Gomez and Mike Smith locking it down with Zenyatta Zenyatta. When the match comes down the road, it's going to be exciting for racing. 
Also on Hollywood circuit, Thorn Song led a half dozen rivals around the course in Monday's $250,000 Shoemaker Mile, won by a long stretch battle by a head over Hyperbaric. Very nice run. Charlie's Moment dueled for the lead in Sunday's $100,000 Lazaro S. Barrera Memorial for three-year-olds. Congratulations, Charlie's Moment. Arlington Park Giant Oak highlighted Arlington's first big stakes day of the season, trained by local stalwart Chris Block, the Illinois bred son of Giants Causeway, rallied between horses at the top of the stretch and went on to win $150,000 Arlington Classic. I think you remember Giant Oak looking on the derby scene. Brass had a Churchill down, rallied five wide in the stretch in Saturday's $100,000 Louisville handicap and caught the favorite spice route. Went by half a length. Whew. Brass had to post his first victory in eight starts on the grass and notched his first win since taking the Massachusetts handicap on September 22nd, 2007 at Suffolk Downs for trainer Buff Bradley. Congratulations. The hat is in the ring. How we do with our biggins? Friday, May 22nd, 137 total. Hollywood Park. Races three through eight, a pick six. How about forty nine thousand two ninety two forty? Belmont races four through nine in a pick six. Forty four thousand eight twenty one. The Biggins are in Fuego on fire. Catch them if you can. They're throwing it right out there. Oh my goodness! Saturday, May twenty third, one hundred and ninety nine total. Mammoth Park race number eight, a Superfecta five thousand seven seventy four even was the winner of the day. So that was top bred winner of the day. Sunday, May 24th, 128 total biggins. Lincoln Fair, race number nine, a Superfecta. Hold your hat, 11,553.80. Not bad. Sounds like a pooler to me. Monday, May 25th, 142 total biggins. Sunray Park, race number two, a Superfecta key, 17,293.60. Sam Houston, race number three, Superfecta Key, 11,825 even. Pretty smoking. Tuesday, May 26, 43 total biggins. Will Rogers Downs. Love Will Rogers Downs. Races five through eight, a pick eight. Four of eight, 4,332.80. Indiana Downs, race number seven, a Superfecta, shortly behind with 3,482.60. Wednesday, May 27th, 43 total biggins. Delaware Park was the winner, race number eight. Superfecta key, $2,312. Even. Didn't even get the chance to leave any change for the clerk. Come on. Thursday, May 28th, 25 total biggins. Louisiana Downs, race number seven. Superfecta, $2,155.40. Louisiana Downs races two through five, a pick four. How about $2,021.80? The predictions are on fire. Check them out yourself. It is free. The big hits are rolling. Exotic predictions this year have paid over $4 million. You can go back and check them for the entire past year. They are there. They are not changed. They do not change. That's the best part about it. Got a little bit of bad news to bring up. Got to say it. It hurts me to even say it. Jockley. Renee Douglas paralyzed in lower extremities. Now, hear me out before we proceed with this. Renee Douglas came out of a seven-hour surgery at Northwestern Hospital May 24th without feeling in his lower extremities. He may not walk again. 
Agent Dennis Cooper re- reported seven hours in surgery. It was a devastating injury. The horse just came right over on top of him. But according to his wife, Natalie Douglas, who appeared on HRTV expressing the most optimism as of yet, reported that the paralysis might not be permanent. Our thoughts and our prayers are with you, Renee. As the weeks unfold, they're going to be very, very, very important. Bob, it is time to head out to our first break. When we return, we're going to be talking to one of the good guys in racing, one of the young guys in racing, and one of the up-and-coming stars. And we got him here on Winning Pony. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere for more Winning Pony. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Duty, freedom, country, family. They're the values that make America strong and what our armed forces are fighting to defend. While many talk about these ideals without action, they are just empty words. If you think America's military families deserve more, log on to thanksusa.org. It's a great way to thank our troops and give military families the gift of education. Thanksusa.org. Scholarships for America's military families. You can make a difference. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. Hey, welcome back. Rock on, baby. Rock on, Aerosmith. Welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. It is during this segment, our second segment each and every week. We have our special guest, and this week is no exception, Mr. Pete Aiello, one of the up-and-coming voices in racing. And mark my word, you'll hear him on the Biggie Big Circuit someday. And without any further ado, Winning Ponies is pleased to have on as our special guest, Mr. Pete Aiello. Peter, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Thanks for having me on. I sure do appreciate it. Well, Pete, thanks for taking your time to join us. I know you're a busy lad. Uh, you uh, you hold down more jobs and more hats than the law allows. But thanks for taking time, uh, especially in the evening time when uh, you know you're probably uh, you know watching wrestling. I'm actually trying to stay away from uh, betting on the uh, races off uh, Charlestown and Penn National Way. You know, 
I love Cheap circuits that. are my kind of circuit, so the nighttime uh, dawns a new age for me. The nighttime is the right time. Pete, can you give our listeners a little information on how you caught the bug of racing? Well, it's actually uh, best to sum up my first uh, recallable experience at a racetrack. I was uh, two years old. I grew up in South Florida. Uh, my grandfather was a racing fan. He worked in horse racing, and he also was uh, he was a professional gambler for some years. And uh, he um, used to have the family go down every uh, once a year down to Hialeah Park in South Florida. And uh, I was down there at two years old. Uh, grandmother bought me a pink jockey suit, and I uh, ran around uh, pretending that I was a jockey all day. Unfortunately, uh, much like yourself, by about five or six, I was a little bit overweight already. So the, the <laughs> jockey dream went out, but the racing dream still stayed true. I was going to say, uh, knowing you personally and having the honor knowing you personally, I was going to say by uh, probably the same uh, same time in our lives, you know, we put away that uh, – that delusion of grandeur of being a jockey, but you know what? We're still in racing just the same. In 2007, you graduated magna cum laude from the University of Arizona's Racetrack Industry Program. Pete, we've heard a little bit about this program. Can you tell our listeners what it entails and, and, and how, it, how it actually benefited you and, and gave you the springboard? Well, uh, a little bit about the program. It's uh, depending on what you need, and uh, that's the thing a lot of people um, – both my age and the people a little bit older need to realize there was a lot of older people out there that simply just needed a network to get into the racing business. You know, they had a, some of them even had MBAs. They had their bachelor's degrees. Um, so for those type of people, it's a three-semester program. You're out there for a year and a half. Uh, you can do an internship over the summertime at a track that uh, the program helps set you up with. For a guy like me, I get went right out of high school into the U of A. Uh, it was a full four-year program for me. They co-mingle to use a racing term, they co-mingle the, uh, the uh, racetrack classes with a general education degree, so you actually do get a bachelor's degree when you're all said and done. Um, and really, to sum it up for me, from my end of things, I mean, it was, it's kind of proof in the pudding. If somebody like myself, who was, you know, as I'm sure a lot of your viewers out there, they just, you know, one guy that walks into the, race, to the racetrack with a racing form under their arm, you know, really not knowing anybody in the business other than the names that are printed in the program, I mean, I went from that as just a sheer fan to... As, as I am now, the race call at River Downs, and I've worked at uh, tracks in New York and, and tracks in Canada and, and everywhere in between, you know. So um, the program really gives you the avenue to get into the wonderful game of racing, and it's certainly something that I took by the by the horn, so to speak. You know, when you make mention of that, it, it seemed like long ago, it was almost like uh, if you go back uh, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, or maybe even not even that far, where you had to know a friend of a friend or your dad's uh, brother's relative, or that was the way that you actually got in. It was kind of a kind of a hard brotherhood or sisterhood to break in for many, and I'm glad to see that the University of Arizona, and I believe Louisville as well, they actually yep. they offer some, some wonderful programs that give people like yourself a great stepping stone into the game. Well, the thing about it is, is and it's something that I'm still really taking measure of, it's how many guys and girls come out of the program that you go to school with and they're your friends. I mean, they're legitimate friends that you go eat dinner with, and then four or five years down the road they have a position that you just, uh, you're kind of awe-inspired about it, and you're actually friends with them. You know, I mean, I have 
friends that are working for uh, some of the top training outfits in the country. I got guys that are uh, running uh, racetracks all over the country. Good friend of mine, uh, Eric Zimney, is actually uh, well to do at Charlestown right now. And you know, it's just it's it's the network within the network kind of thing where you know they know the program itself has a lot of contacts to a lot of people in the industry, but uh, it's really just uh, the guys and girls that come out of the program. You know, leaving the racing secretary over at River Downs. Um, Ed Vomacki, he graduated from the program, and he knows everybody from, from Santa Anita to New York. So it's just kind of a, a global scale kind of thing, and it's really, uh, it's really spectacular. You know, Pete, you, you speak as a man that's been involved in racing for 35 years. May I ask your actual age? I'm 23, going to be 24 next November. So, that, uh, that is incredible. And the ground that you've made up in such a short period of time and, you know, I, I wanted to throw it out there. When was your first official race call and when? Well, it's actually, uh, you can kind of tie the two things in in terms of me grabbing the bull by the horns. Uh, the first year I was out in Arizona, we, the, the, uh, the click, so to speak, took a trip up to Turf Paradise. U of A's in Tucson, so the next uh, closest racetrack is Turf Paradise in Phoenix. And we all went up there on a Saturday. It was actually the day that Funny Side won the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Uh, the following day, I uh, convinced one of my roommates, who was actually not into racing, that we should venture to a place. We had no idea where it was. We had no idea how to get there. It was called the Gila County Fair. Uh, it's up in Globe, Arizona, about an hour north of town in the mountains. I mean, a really beautiful, small little town. They actually had fair racing up there two weekends a year. So we went up there, and uh, we didn't make it till about the fifth race out of the eighth race car just because we got lost. You know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but uh, from a scale standpoint, I, I go from 2007, that experience of trying to find the place, to the following year getting a call from the general manager of the fair asking if I'd like to come up and call the races. Um, that after my announcing debut, to answer your question, it was in uh, 2008. Uh, no, it wasn't either. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting my years confused here. I graduated from high school in 2004, so it would have been 2005 at Rito Park in Tucson, Arizona. Um, little house, 5 8 mile bull ring. Uh, got a great contact that subsequently passed away. He's kind of been my mentor through it all, uh, Luke Kripos. He actually graduated from the program, so I go back to the networking thing there. But uh, he kind of uh, was, was real uh, bold with me and said, look, we'll give you a shot on the microphone somewhere, but uh, I'm not going to be uh, beat around the bush. If you're no good, I'm going to tell you you're no good since you're still young enough to you know, to call an audible, so to speak, and go somewhere else. So uh, I got to call a half-a-mile maiden Savannah thoroughbred race. They went about 49 for the half, you know, $1,000 purse up uh, on a 5-8-mile bullring. And to this day, I can still remember almost the race call word for word just because I was, I was kind of in a state of euphoria, you know. I was kind of locked into what I was doing, and I came back down, and uh, uh, Luke was down there. He took the day off from Turf Paradise, and he says, Well, he says, i got to tell you, you don't suck. <laughs> so that was kind of uh, how I got started, and I worked the Arizona Fair meets from there, kind of cut my teeth on the, you know, the three furlong races uh, around the hook kind of things. Uh, you know, you really see everything. Even once a guy, uh, actually, he threw a beer can at his own horse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was my dad doing out there, may I ask? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was, it was wild. You know, I'm calling the race, and all of a sudden, uh, here comes this Bud Light can, nails one of the jockey right in the head. Oh, and uh, no. knocked him off, actually, into the inside fence. You know, he was all right. He was a little mad. But uh, the, the stewards looked at me, and they looked at each other, and they said, how the heck can we find him for that? He killed his own chances. <laughs> you know, Pete, oh, uh, you, may, you may mention of Luke. 
and he touched so many people's lives in so many ways. And 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 he, uh, you know, in the industry, I, I keep hearing about Luke Rybush, and I had uh, I had the, the wonderful opportunity of meeting him on multiple occasions. He was a true gentleman, and I like it the way he put it to you. And that is the way you would have actually turned it out, and you knew him very well. You know, I'm going to tell you if you, you know, you know how you did. You know, you didn't suck, which was probably a really good grade on Luke's uh, on Luke's uh, you know scale. Well, you know, the, the patented story about Luke is actually not the Arizona story from my end. I actually got my first gut check type race call at Tampa Bay Downs the following winter, so it would have been the winter of 2005. I got to know Margot Flynn of Tampa Bay Downs, and I got to know Richard Grunder pretty well, and they knew of my aspirations, so uh, they convinced Pete Ruby to let me call the last race of the day, and I hadn't told anybody. Nobody knew. Not a, no, none of my friends. The only person that knew was uh, my dad, who was with me at the time. So I'm sitting in the grandstand at Tampa Bay Downs. It's about 20 minutes before the last race. I'm a nervous wreck. I spent all night studying for the race, and the phone rings. And I hadn't talked to Luke in six, seven months. And, uh, uh, hello. Yeah, this is uh, Luke. This is, uh, uh, Pete, this is Luke. Hey, Luke, how are you? He says, I hear you're calling a race at Tampa. <laughs> what, 20 minutes? <laughs> how in the world did you know that? He says, well, he says, I can't tell you how I find out my information, but I will tell you this. He says, uh, this is the first chance you're going to get on the uh, big stage. And if you don't do good, this is the last chance you're going to get on a big stage. He says, no pressure. So, <laughs> needless to say, I went up to the booth and uh, was uh, not my greatest race call on earth, but I got through it, and it must have not have turned too many people off because I'm, I'm where I am now at River Down. So. In fact, you are, and we're very pleased and proud that you are there. Pete, you're one of the most dedicated fans that I've ever met. How many official tracks have you attended as a fan? Well, it's if you count, I mean, that's kind of been my hobby through the years. I go to... You know, go to the fair meets and go to racetracks that I haven't been before. So if there's a track near me and I've never been, I make it a point to go. So uh, as of right now, if you count high-life frontons and dog tracks, uh, I've been to about 75 venues as of right now. But, uh, you know, I've been to tracks from – I actually worked at a racetrack in a little town called Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada. It's about six hours north of Edmonton. Uh, we had night racing with no lights, so that was kind of interesting. <laughs> You know, so <laughs> I was going to say, would they give you the uh, night vision uh, military goggles uh, to, to actually call the race? I mean, that, uh, actually, that it's so crazy. far to the north um, that there's a street sign in downtown Grand Prairie that says Alaska next right. Um, <laughs> it didn't get dark up there until two in the morning, so they could start at seven at night and not have need any lights. Oh, beautiful! Uh, it's also the only place in the world I've ever been where a guy walks up to you and says, "Hey, you want to go play around the golf?" And you say, sure, when's tea time? And he says, 10. And you got to ask him in the morning or at night. <laughs> I, like, I like that. that, that that's, that's definitely a first. Pete, uh, as a man that has uh, seen just about every animal run everywhere, and I know that you, you've, you've wagered on, and I'm not going to say how much, a $2 wager on, on mules, quarters, thoroughbreds. Do you have any favorite circuits out there? Well, you know, I kind of was, I was kidding, but I was serious earlier when I said about the nighttime tracks and the smaller circuits. I mean, that's really um, uh, what my forte has been. I mean, ever since I started reading the racing form, I always gravitated towards the cheap racing. And I know that a lot of handicappers, you know, they, they say, well, you're nuts. Uh, you know, you've you got to play the tracks that are the bigger tracks. They're more true to form. And I've always found that I like, uh, 
I call it shovel handicapping. You've got to dig a little bit, but it's a lot more intellectual. And uh, if you pay attention at the small places, over the long term, I think the small places are a lot more stable in terms of race result and track bias and, and race quality, which is something that I really uh, consider when I handicap a race. So I've always gravitated toward the small tracks. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to play the fair meets that no one's heard of, and, and, I, and I kind of uh, I like the River Downs races, uh, ironically enough. I was playing them long before I ever dreamed of working there. So, you know, I kind of just try to stick to the smaller places, and my biggest advice to anybody listening would be, you know, don't get caught up in what everyone else is playing and, and play what, uh, find your niche, so to speak, and then concentrate on it. You know, that, that, is, uh, that is very heady advice for, for players. Pete, as a young man, a man that's, that's on the move, what advice would you give an up-and-coming fan of the game who wants to join our industry? Well, I mean, like I said before, Ed, I mean, if, if somebody like me that can go from, you know, just for lack of a better description, a degenerate walking around a racetrack uh, with looking for a program on the floor because I'm too cheap to buy one, to go from that to working in a capacity that I dreamed about and, and really persevering through all the hurdles and, and, you know, the naysayers that say, you know, you're crazy, you, you, need to, you need to not do this, you need to do something else. And I mean, I would just say to everyone uh, in general, but especially in this game, set your sights on what you want to do and just persevere. And, and, and at the end of the day, if you think you can do it, I promise you this industry is uh, set up in the way that you really can do it. I like those words of advice. I'm going to put your feet to the fire, if I kindly okay. can. I'm going to ask if you have any hot plays for the weekend, Peter. Well, actually, uh, I was looking over the River Downs to races tomorrow. You know, like I say, you got to stick with uh, stick with what you're what you're good at. And uh, I thought, if you, if you didn't mind, I'd go over a couple of races at River Downs. I mean, uh, I kind of find some of them intriguing. I try not to tell people on horses that I think we're going to go favored or anything of that nature. But uh, if you can point out a vulnerable favorite every now and again, I think that's probably just as valuable. I agree, and Pete, I'm not going to interrupt one bit, one Iato, because Pete Iato is going to toss him out there, lay him out there right at her feet, brother. Well, we got seven and seven tomorrow in Ohio, so Thistledown will start the card. I'll, I'll leave out the Thistledown races. I'll leave that for the viewers at home to that cipher, but we'll start the day with a maiden claiming contest at five and a half furlongs. Uh, the one horse, all that money, I hope he takes a lot of money because I really don't care for him. He's coming out of a weak race where he was third, a well-beaten third at that. Uh, my selection in the race is Kentucky Present. That's the five horse in tomorrow's second race. He's, I've kind of been chasing this horse. He's been bet down the last two times, but don't get discouraged. He really doesn't look like uh, on paper that he's a horse that wants to win, but I assure you that it's just been poor racing luck. He ran into two buzzsaws. The horse, the swing and slew, dropped down from Indiana Company and then runaway spring last time. It's a half to a very nice racehorse, and he, too, was dropping off the shelf. So look for the five Kentucky president, what hopefully will be a halfway decent mutual. Kentucky uh, president, that's the first one. Move on to the next one, me boy. Well, the fourth race on the card is one of the races that I really salivate about in Ohio. It's uh, the non-winners of one- and two-year condition. Uh, <laughs> these, these are the kind of races, like I say, shovel handicapping. If you do some digging and you do your homework, you can almost invariably come up with a horse that makes a lot of sense, maybe not on top of the win-wise here, but uh, for the minor awards. 
Uh, the interesting horse in the race for me is the eight horse, Open Bank. It's a big rider switch here today from uh, Fredo Lorente to Edgar Pacar. And was the first start off the layoff for a barn that really doesn't train their horses all that hard in the off time. So maybe this mare comes back ready to rock and roll. She was very sharp in Grove City over the winter time. She actually has uh, two wins showing, of course, one of those she was disqualified from. But she fits the condition snugly because the 25 conditions don't count. That's the eight horse in the fourth race at River tomorrow. Open bank, and the bank is open. We're two in. Pete, keep it rolling. Sixth race on the cards, a maiden special weight. I think for uh, for those of you betters uh, out there, this is the kind of race that River Downs really uh, should market towards you, the betters. Uh, this is a very, very competitive contest. Uh, we drew a field of nine for the race. Interesting post-position draw for the Niners, friendly accusation. He ran huge last time against horses that uh, would be very tough against this group. The wild card in the race is the eight-horse Wind Angel, who's coming out of a maiden allowance at Churchill into the River Downs ranks. Kind of curious what Ron Kales is thinking there. He went from the top at Churchill over to River Downs. Nothing wrong with the uh, no-selling price there, but would think that he would want to venture at Louisville for a shot there. Uh, but my selection in the race is the three-horse E-Factor. Transferred from the Dallas Stewart barn to David Kidner. I like the David Kidner stable. He does good, a good job with the limited stock that he's had. Ozzie L.W. Owens has been running very well. This horse has two trouble lines showing last two times out. And with the eight-horse coming in from Churchill, you might get a square price on this horse. Three-horse E-Factor, a factor in race number six tomorrow. E-Factor. Got him written down and progress me, boy. Uh, the eighth race tomorrow is of not five thousand non three on the card. It's not the uh, it's not the prettiest race to look at, but uh, I'm going to go with a horse that's actually got a little bit of an alibi that's not noted in the running line. So I guess you could say this is a winning ponies exclusive. Uh, the five horse Sunny Way had all kinds of gate trouble last time that were that was not noted on the program. Went to almost rearing in the starting gate, and then they sprung the latch. Soon after the start, Pariuch took up, or rather Vernon Bush took up, and the horse really never uh, got interested in it. But the race two races back uh, was a very good race on the 46 buyer figure, which uh, should uh, stamp this horse as a contender tomorrow, and I can promise you a square price on this one. Sunny Way tomorrow in the eighth. I know you're not afraid of a price, Sunny Way, and I hope it's nothing but sunshine out the windows. And where do we go from there, Peter? Well, actually, my best bet on the program, now I'm going to say that in terms of uh, the way I like to play. I'm a, I'm a pick-three player. I'm a daily double player. I'm a gimmick-type wager fan here. So I don't mind playing the favorite. If I think the favorite's rock solid, I'll single them in the pick-three and try to get some prices in the other two races, which in Ohio is definitely something you can do. So for that reason, I think uh, all of the racing fans should take note of the one horse, Honor the Angels, in tomorrow's 10th race. This horse draws a very good post position for the running style. Second, uh, second start at River Downs for Heather Johnson. Ran very well last time. Looked like uh, maybe a little bit of a deceptive running line there. Sunny Way was going to win that race, whether the one horse was two in front or not. When the three uh, Sunny Way was that close to him, uh, he really had no, uh, no, no chance to hold that one off. But in this race, not only do I see this horse being the fastest on paper, this horse has the quickest first gear and are drawn next to two horses that have no early speed. And uh, so this horse will definitely be on the inside portion of the racetrack on the fence and out winging. I think they can't touch the one tomorrow. Honor the Angels in the 10th. Honor the Angels all locked up. And we've had a little bit of rain in the area, so possibly it might be sealed in the morning. Who knows? They may break it open if uh, Mother Nature smiles upon us. And progress from there, me boy. Well, it's uh, the 12th race on the card. I, I 
actually don't really have a strong opinion in this race. The only opinion that I have to those listening uh, is to make sure to get a bet in on this race because I think this is a, probably a very, very good betting race because I think there's a couple horses in the race that are going to draw some wagering attention that you might be able to get off the ticket. Uh, namely the five-horse Just Dazzling, who has a problem with hanging in the late stages, and the four-horse TJ's Popeye, a deceptive good form cycle. There are three uh, wins out of the last four tries, but we're getting against much better horses in here. Uh, my top selection is a horse that I like as a personal horse, the seven, Mr. Irish Love. This is a game sucker here, uh, Mr. Irish Love. Kalo knows how to ride him, and uh, last time out ran against a very game horse uh, in the Madison Lake. Now, the thing you got to watch about that race, if you want to go online and watch the replay, uh, this horse would have won it, except Madison Lake was out four deep, so Mr. Irish Love didn't see him coming. He was buried down on the inside fighting for second, and Oots uh, tipped out Madison Lake, who ended up winning the race and got by Mr. Irish Love. But if you want uh, an idea of just how game this horse is, folks, go back to the race April 25th at River Downs. He fought wins a lot all the way down the stretch. Wins a lot was a two-to-five turfway dropper, and he said, no, sir, wins a lot came back to win. So I think the seven horse, Mr. Irish Love, has got a big chance in tomorrow's 12th. Wrap it up for the get-out finale. Get-out finale, another race, folks, uh, that I don't really have a whole lot of uh, opinion in terms of getting creative, as, as it were, but uh, I think the five-horse silly is a horse you can really just key up and down in your exotic wagers, uh, key them in the pick threes and things of that nature. Search is dropping against much tougher company at uh, Churchill Downs in the slop. Uh, the last time he raced, uh, in, at the uh, level that he'll be facing tomorrow. He was second, beating two and a half. Now, Ed Meyer, I'm sure all you fans have uh, been told by Ed, because they know he tells me all the time, second start off the poly track. I think there might be something to this angle, and Silly does fit that angle. Lures leading jockey, Edgar Pelkar, looks like a money run to me for uh, trainer Gene LaCroix. Uh, the only other exotic advice, try to go for a price in here. Some of the horses with uh, recent form, like the six-horse Royal Linus, coming out of a race that was not all that strong, go digging for a big price underneath. Peter is the eye in the sky and the man with the best seat in the house who actually sees them go from yo to go. We appreciate your breaking down of the River Downs car. Mr. Arlo, I'd like to thank you on behalf of Winning Ponies. It's been an honor to have you on as our guest. I know big things lay ahead in your future, and if anyone has any doubts or any questions, just tune in to River Downs and hear one of the most exciting race calls in the game. Thanks again, Pete, and we're going to hear you at the races. Thanks again, Ed. Everybody out there, have a great evening. Thank you, Pete. Have a great evening. That's from Pete Aiello, one of racing's good guys, young guys, and a man heading nowhere but up. It is going to be time to enter to another break. We return. We're going to finish up with some final furlough handicapping here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No Holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Are you a wildfire survivor? Do you need help but don't know where to turn? SoCalHelp.org is a place you can go to get immediate help with food, shelter, important medications, and start getting your life back on track. Get help now with insurance, legal issues, 
and find professional help like doctors and counselors. You can also connect with other survivors and people who can help. For the answers and support you need to rebuild, visit SoCalHelp.org. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to the final furlong of Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer. We just finished up with Mr. Peter Ailello. And I'm telling you what, there's not a more enthusiastic man in the game. His calls are not scripted. He does not just write a bunch of verbiage down and use them and just interchange them. Everything is on the fly, and this guy is really, really good. Brings a lot of excitement into the world of racing. And if you are lucky enough to actually catch a call... I think you'll agree with me. Pete Aiello, one of the young and upcoming stars of our game, and we're proud to have him at the river, and I'm proud to call him my friend. Pete Aiello, we thanks for uh, going over the river card. You made it seem a whole lot easier. And trust me, folks, he looks for prices. All right, we're going to do some final furlong handicapping with myself. I'm kind of caught, i got to say. I like Belmont, Churchill, and a couple from the river. Okay, get out your pens and pencils. Let's go to work. Race number one at Belmont. And I like the four, and that's bad action. Jose Lescano and Gary Contessa, in the last 60 days, they've uh, teamed up to win 11%, 44% of the money. We're going to go a mile and a 16th on the turf here, 35,003 lifetime. Just finished second, but he was checked early and rallied. Lescano is a very nice turf rider. He's 45% in the money. So in the first race at Belmont tomorrow, excuse me, Saturday, forgive me, I'm ready, I'm jumping, I'm gearing up. Bad action on Saturday in the opener at Belmont. Lescano aboard for Gary Contessa, a New York guy and a man from Florida, Lescano coming up, and he's, uh, he's hanging his hat in New York, which is a wonderful move. I love to kick off the day in New York with bad action. On to race number five at Belmont, a mile and a 16th on a turf, turf, New York maiden special weight here. I go right to the rail with Storm Hope, Ramon Dominguez, very tall in the saddle for Trainer Barkley Tag. Last 60 days, they're winning 25% together, 75% in the money. Been off since October 31st of 2008. Last race at Aqueduct, a mile and 16th on the turf, ran a beautiful second, heavily bet. All three races, 
for the three-year-old Gelda's son of Judge T.C. have just been phenomenal. On May 22nd in Monmouth Park, 48-3, and a very nice work knocking on the door. You have an honest gelding here in the fifth race at Belmont on Saturday. Look no further than Storm Hope because it's set up by the speed of the one, or excuse me, the one is set up by the speed of the eight cops fever in the 10 Coronation Day. On to race number seven at Belmont on Saturday. And once again, there's a whole lot of speed in here, in my opinion, that sets up. I'm going to go way to the outside with the 11. That's hero figure Edgar Prouder for Phil Serp. And this son of Fupeg, a five-and-a-half race, I'm going to call it an even effort. Broke sixth and went fifth, fourth, fourth, all the way around. Steadied, broke, boxed in. Everything just did not go hero figure's way. Edgar Prado stays aboard, which is always a positive sign. The damn Miss Winning is 50% with her babies, actually has three starters. Two of those are winners. I'm going to say no more than hero figure in the seventh race at Belmont. On to the eighth race at Belmont, a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. The Mac McKay McKenna. Wow, that was a tough one to say. McKay McKenna stakes. A mile and a sixteenth on the turf. Very nice race indeed for 65000 After I looked at the race, I, I couldn't believe it was only for 65000 I come back to Scalara the six. Kent Sleepy DeSormo for Bill Mott. These guys are 55% of the time in the money. DeSormo is a 21% winner on the turf. That's incredible. 44% of the time in the money. Scalara, the dam of this runner, Millie's Delight, has thrown out two turf winners, two from two starters, both of them winners, two of them stakes winners. Scalara exits the grade three bogey into the $65,000 non-graded stake, and if you take a look two back, you'll see Daniel Centeno at Tampa Bay was flying lights out gangbusters. And if you go down a little bit further on February 8th, for 75000 you see Kent D. in the irons heading right to the winner's circle. I think Scalar really fits in nicely here. Billy Mott, he wins with 18% of his turf starters, 45% in the money. Likes the route where he's 46% of the time in the money. Non-graded stakes, he's a 50% batter in the money. So I say Scalaro in the eighth race, McKay McKenna stakes. A mile and a sixteenth on the Weedner turf course, like Belmont. This weekend, big time. In the ninth race, a mile and an eighth on the inner turf. The Sands Point Stakes, a grade two event. Very nice indeed. I was, I was between a couple in here, but I came out with Magical Affairs. Julian Leperu for Michael Matz. Michael Matz, you may have known. You may have heard him train a few horses, one by the name of Barbaro. Magical Affair looks the part. This is a three-year-old filly by Giants Causeway. Sold at the Keeneland sales purchase was the second of 96 for $1.5 million. Incredible numbers here. This is a mile in an eighth on the turf. Three straight turf races, a win, a win, and a screaming second against Lara. The last two works for this three-year-old filly have been bullets. I think Magical Affair is going to be something very magical in the ninth race at Belmont on Saturday. So get all you can of Magical Affair. 
Then I'm back to Kentucky, Churchill Downs in race number two. This race took a little bit of chomping on. And when I, when I have to say that, that, that only equates to value for you, the player. In the second race, they're going to go seven furlongs for claiming $50,000. I like 10 Killer Lake. Jesus Casanon for Thomas Amos. Now, the last time out, this five-year-old gelding by Red Bullet was running for claiming 75000 on Saturday in for claiming fifty. Dropping down one class, Tom Amos wins 30% of the time, 66% of the time in the money. The two things that Amos is best known for is fresh off of a claim and dropping like a rock in the river. Five starts at Churchill Downs, three of which are in the money. If it turns out to be an off-track, this five-year-old Gelding's had three starts, two of which are in the money. I'm seeing in the running lines here a sealed sloppy track last time out on the turf, on a sealed sloppy track. Who knows what this Gelding can get with just a fast track, just a good track. I think 10 Killer Lake looks the part. On May 8th at Churchill Downs, four furlongs in the slop. Shoots a bullet, a 48 flat, the best of 15 works. I love 10 Killer Lake, and that is in the second at Churchill on Saturday. Then we go to the fourth race at Churchill, a mile and an eighth on the turf. Another race, another race which equates to value. The harder it is to actually come up with one, it only means you're going to get paid that much more. I'm going to give you the exacta here, and you're just going to have to box them up. That is self-made man. Miguel Mena for Mike Maker. They are winning 21% together in the last 60 days. That's incredible. Going from a mile on the turf to a mile and an eighth on the turf, this is claiming 40 land. This is not for the meek hearted. These runners can step up into, into big time allowance company or graded stakes company. This is a horse for a course, self made man. Self made man, seven starts six of which are in the money. Mike Maker, incredible trainer indeed, winning 23% of the time. These guys team up very, very well together. Was a beaten favorite last time out. Maker comes back to score 36% of the time with a winner on that note. I love that. I'm also going to box it up with almighty silver Calvin Burrell and Tom Amos. And here it is again. Last time out for 25000 was claimed from Mike Maker and Ken and Sarah Ramsey. First off of a claim, Tom Amos wins 24% of the time, 59% in the money, and was a beaten favorite. Had a very sharp workout on, on uh, May 25th at Churchill Downs. Four furlongs in the slop, 48-2, and two, the best. Third of 38 on that day. Not the best, but third of 38. It's a nice New York bread. I'm going to box these two. A self-made man and almighty silver in the fourth race at beautiful Churchill Downs. And on to race number eight, the grade three Dogwood. I love it here because there's plenty of speed. I think it sets up very nicely for a stalker, someone that can actually lay against the rail. And that would be the two high taps, Sean Brismahan and Steve Asmussen. In the last 60 days, they're teaming up 22% winners, 46% in the money. Shipping in from Oakland Park, May 15th from Oakland Park. Well-rested, the grade three Honeybee. Slightly steadied and three wide. Prior to that was the extreme favorite 
in all of those races. This is a three-year-old filly by Tappet, and all Tappets are just running so well together. Anywhere they're at, they are just they are just put together. They run well, and I say high tap will be high stepping right to the winner's circle. Bruce Mahan and Asmussen, two guys not to be messed with. Tenth race at Churchill Downs. Six furlongs, the grade three Aristide Speed Galore once again. I come back to the three Vicarian. Calvin Burrell and Eve in Wilkes. This guy is a hidden gem. He is a pearl. Another horse for a course. Ten starts for Vicarian. Ten starts. Nine of those in the money. Greatest stakes three in Wilkes. He's a 15% winner, 35% in the money. The faster they run it, the better he likes it. 44-3, and three, Calvin Burrell after a blocked and altered course, still finished second. Second off of a layoff, Wilkes is a 44% in the money return man. I love that. They say the numbers don't lie. So in the 10th race, with the speed galore, and I mean, there's tons of it, but carrying Calvin Burrell, and you know, he's going to find the rail sooner or later. You can hide it from him, but he's going to find it. Don't, don't even think that he's not going to be there. We're going to ship up to River Downs. In the sixth race, excuse me, Thistle Downs, forgive me, it's the 7-7 seven and seven card on Saturday, the Mike Rowan Memorial. Actually, this brings tears to my eyes. Mike Rowan was a fine young rider. He even rode my horse. Not because of that reason. I think he was just generous, and he, he took the time. He was patient, and he was a daggone good rider. He's no longer with us. He, we lost him in, in, in a tragic spill at Turfway Park. Mike Rowland, he will always be remembered. Every time I see this race, it brings, brings a fond smile to my eye. I go to Cat Launch, Hector Rosario for Ivan Vasquez. These guys are 33% winners together. Third start off of a layoff. That is a gambler's play. Cat Launch in the Mike Rowland Memorial. Then up to River Downs in the 11th race, a mile and the 16th on the turf. The green carpet for $50,000. Now, this is a nice race on Saturday. I'm just hoping Mother Nature cooperates because it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And there are some, there are some nice runners in here. But one that sticks out to me is the two, and that's running for speed. Victor Carrero for Timothy Ham. Tim Ham is an incredible trainer. Incredible in Ohio. Because all the trophies seem to be going to Tim Ham. Because he keeps ordering more and more and more, and rightfully so because he knows how to bring him ready. The dam, intrigued, is a stakes winner. She's had two turf winners thrown out. She's had five starters, five winners, and one a stakes winner. I think we got ourselves a real nice speedster going five panels, stretching out to a mile and a sixteenth. You might even hear Pete Aiello say, running for speed, catch me if you can. Been working really well. And as I said before, and I can't say it enough, Tim Ham is one of the best trainers on the Ohio circuit, the Riverdance Thistle circuit, that you will actually get an opportunity to see. Well, time flies when you're talking about thoroughbred racing. Winning Ponies would like to thank Pete Aiello as our special guest this week. And more importantly, you, for taking the time to tune in. Until next week, may all your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck, everyone.
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.